welcome back. Hey. We are reading a book today, I guess? Is that what we're doing? Uh, we have read a book. Okay. Half a book. Okay. And now we're going to we're gonna pick up where we left off with too much information, our page, ninth volume. Page 62. Page 62. Excellent. Gene, why don't you walk us in? Tell us a little about where were you and what was your frame of mind? Tell us, tell us how this particular strip, you know, where does it come from, your childhood stories, well, maybe I, some trauma you had. I had would endured. if I could read this strip, Bill, because in the last year or so, my eyes have gone, and right now... This is the this cruelest, is a, this this is the is a younger man's strip. The cruelest bit of printing we've ever done. <laughs> it really I, uh, is. I can't read a single word on that with that gray it background. Is, it is tiny black letters on gray background. So there's both it is both tiny and low contrast. It's yeah. the perfect combination. I want to say that that is not my apology to Robert Frost, though. I owe that man no apology. All right. Um, so so apology. let's just assume that was hilarious and move on. I think we made a poster out of it. We did. We sold as many as twelve of those. We did. We sold between twelve and thirteen. Mm -hmm. Twelve and a half posters. So I guess we're going to be on page 64 now. Page 64. All right. Oh, uh, hey, I can read these again. Yeah, nice. I made a mistake, I realized, when I put together this book. The third strip and the fourth strip got swapped. So the library tip should be at the top of page 65. I wonder about that because Colleen passes it, passes the uh, gift certificate along. So what I want you to do is, if, if you're using a paper copy of this, just photocopy both pages and then cut out the strip and then paste them accordingly. So if you just go do that, we'll wait. Hold on. Thanks. Okay. And so, so this is the sequence where somebody gives Tamara a gift certificate for a salon. And it just gets passed down. Well, it's, it's, it's kind of an insult somehow. To I guess it is. I guess it is an insult. Yes, here, hey. Well, I mean, it, it's clearly, I, I, like, I like it when Tamara, or sorry, when Colleen gives it to Mel. What is the gift certificate I could give you that you would take as an insult? Is there even one? I would, I, you know what, it would be really insulting to be a gift certificate to a bookstore. <laughs> you take that? I would hate that. Okay. I, I would absolutely hate that. Well, since it's my goal to insult you, I'll That's be right. a, 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 a Also, I've noticed I got you a birthday present, and not one has been forthcoming to me. Yes, but you've gotten that, you got that very late. Very late. We're not late enough yet. It was fashionably late. We're, yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not quite fashionably late yet. All right. It'll happen. It'll okay. It'll happen then. So, uh, bottom of 65. Yes. I just like, I like the open source, open source. I know you I, do. I still like it. I know. Did I have to fight for that one? I can't remember. No. Did you let me make it? Yes. Did it's you? fine. It's good. It's fine. I just know you'd like it. Open source. Yes, because it includes bodily functions. That's nice. 66. Do you want to say anything about open source and libraries? I, I think everything I want to say is in the middle panel of the middle strip. Where, where yeah, that's, says, that, that about gets it all, doesn't it? At least it? we wouldn't be paying for software that didn't work, Dewey says, but we wouldn't have anyone to blame either. <laughs> she goes, she goes, whoa. <laughs> this, is, this is my... Uh, Another open source deployment derailed for lack of scapegoats. That's about right, I think. I just, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I've, watched it, I've watched it happen. It seems to be a little bit better than what it used to be, like the way the open source stuff works, but the libraries really don't know how to develop software. You know, it's clear the software developers don't know how to make library software either, so... It's kind of, you end up somewhere south of where you and, want to be anyway. And the truth is, like, we have friends who work for Equinox, and I've heard them talk about this, and, it's, and essentially they provide, they are the scapegoats. Like, they provide all the services you would need and stuff. So I think it's mostly that the libraries are so used to having this company that does everything, they have to have it explained to them why open source is still going to work for them and kind of get them what they need, and then halfway through the conversation they fall asleep. <laughs> and so... But, so you but, just but, you just have to be willing to sort of hear something new, and some people aren't. But, but there's also a sense in which it doesn't quite work for them, right? Like, as you try to build more and more features onto something that's already there, don't you end up with the same problems you end up with in a regular catalog? Isn't that, isn't that true? Well, I think by now the open source stuff is so mature that it's as full feature as anything else. Well, I guess it's, it's cheaper, right? So I mean, that's the upside. But I don't know. I literally don't know. Don't so know. now we're just talking out our asses. So yeah. congratulations. Perfect. You get what you pay for. Uh, top of page 67. Let's all admire Buddy in a tutu. 
Interpretive dance? Yep. All right, I like that. I like how in the next trip that uh, one of the rare team-ups between Dewey and Colleen. What, where uh, they're trying to figure out how to adjust the schedule? Yeah, and then basically they're both they're both cutting away to either side, and and Mel says if you got if you both got your way, we'd never be open, and it's clear that that is that is an acceptable outcome to both of them. Yeah, fair enough. And then so, you have Randy doing a bondage joke. Uh, so the thing about Randy, <laughs> the thing about Randy is like we're making fun of him, and we're making it clear that it's wrong, but it's still wrong. <laughs> it's still like, wrong to have a joke. It's still a, it's he's still objectively being offensive, and so. <clears throat> Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we ever played that right. Too late now. I think it's funny. Too late. I know. It is funny. 68, we have the Santa de Libraries guy. Yeah, I, I had forgotten he returned. I did too. Based on yeah. Tim Iman. Yeah. yeah. Like, as the, as I'm, not, the, I'm not sure what Tim Iman looks like, but let's assume he looks like this. As the budget... Well, he's got to have that mustache. Yeah, absolutely. As the budget crisis... He actually looks a little like Randy. Now I think we ought to make him Randy's like brother. That's, that's your mission, you and Chris. Is Tim Iman is, Tim Iman is this anti-tax crusader in Washington State who always gets a new initiative uh, on the ballot that indirectly targets libraries. I mean, it doesn't always indirectly target libraries, but because libraries tend to be de- tend to be dependent on taxes, then inevitably that, well, not inevitably. I'm in as a library Often. hater, Bill. I don't know if okay. you know this. I've looked into his soul. Seriously, I want you to have, I want you to ha- now have backstory on Randy and, and this Tim Iman guy, because they look alike, and they have the huh. same mustache, huh. and establish that one of the reasons this guy hates libraries is because his brother's a librarian. They do have the same mustache. Yeah. Maybe that's Randy. They were one strip. No, I don't think it's Randy. I just I think, think so. they're brothers. Hmm. All right, maybe, maybe. Or Randy has a split personality and comes on with a, with a crazy wig. Well, I like that. I like that. Quite a hairpiece. I like that Iman, uh, or not Iman, whatever, whatever the guy's yeah. name is, comes into Foman. Foman. <laughs> Human. He's come to gloat because now, now the library is is going into the into the into the gutter, and I love his little rant on the bottom of sixty eight. The inefficiencies of this giant warehouse have been laid bare. I just love that. And then you find out he doesn't Let us decide what books to buy and share with each other. Page 70. Yes. What's the lady's name? Uh, Matilda. Matilda. I love this joke. I, love, I want to read it on this. You did love this joke so much that you wrote this joke four more times. You yeah. wrote a whole week of Dewey putting a book on people's e-readers because you thought, and then putting books on everything. So, so and good. it made no sense at all. Yeah, it was called, I remember the strip sequence. It was called Books on Everything. It was Books on Everything. Books I didn't draw it, but you did yeah, write it. And that was nice. Yeah. You got it out of your system. Bottom page seventy. I actually think the body language on that strip is so great. Like I think, I think it's great timing. I think it's a great joke. I think Tamara's body language is great. I think Mel's is, and I love Dewey popping in at the end. I love everything about that strip. You're talking about where Tamara has accidentally told people that story times might be cut. Yes, she says I may have overreacted. Okay, all right, and then everybody's marching in the street, and nobody cares, and then they all have this big discussion, and they all decide that teens it'd be okay to cut all the teen programs. Yep. It'd be fine. And it ends up with them chanting, kill the teens, kill the teens. And Tamara says, what should we do now? And Dewey says, I'm waiting for them to say something I disagree with. Harsh. Too harsh. 72. Page 72. Let's admire my different drawing of Fred's hair and lack of same in each strip here, where he's got kind of a Canadian maple leaf over his ear in the first one, and then it's gone in the second one. Like, he went and got trim, or he lost even more hair. It's a Canadian maple leaf of hair. I like that. Yep. That's pretty good, actually. Uh, So apparently, I don't know how to draw... I don't know how to draw the the uh, Julius Caesar. The receding hairline. The Julius Caesar. The Terry Moore. The Julius Caesar. What do you mean the Julius Caesar? See, it's like a it's like a laurel leaf around your head. I thought the Caesar was uh, had had the hair on top brushed flat forward. Oh, maybe it does. Bar. Yeah, that's what I always think of the Caesar. But why why would that be a Caesar? It, it just it, you, you always see Caesar in the. I'm taking my hat off now to demonstrate. Okay. You, you always you, see, please pay attention, people at home. Caesar always has like. His hair is always very flat, but going forward on the front. But it's not Spock because he doesn't have that. that but I mean, line. those are depictions. Do we have? Do we have any sense that they're realistic? 
I think they're all based on uh, some kind of marble sculpture in the Louvre. Yeah. The Louvre. The Louvre. Okay. I could be wrong. Okay. So Fred, why does Fred? Why can't Fred say what he wants? Just because he's a patron. What do you mean? On seventy-two. I don't know. He just. We're at seventy-two. We're on, everywhere on seventy-two. He just. He's just totally inarticulate. You're asking me. You're the writer. I'm asking you. Okay. I don't know. You're the writer. All right. No, we, we work this together. Uh-huh. You can't blame me for all this. Stuff. I I blame you for the stuff that I don't like. That's nice. how it rolls. That's how it's always rolled. Nice. That's how it always will roll. Nice. All right. Seventy-three. I think something happened off-screen. We don't know what it was. Something. Something bad. Second one. Colleen doesn't want to know what the guy wants the information for, or what he wants the information for. That's as complicit as I plan to get. That's, that's a good line. That's beautiful. Yeah. 74. So now we're, uh, oh, so first it's it's the popular, it's the book that's sort of inexplicably popular because no one likes it. And my favorite part of this is at the end where, where Mel is gritting her teeth and she's she's just going to read through it. She's she's convinced if it's popular, it's popular for a reason. See, my favorite part is the is the person in the middle of 74 where they, they come back in to check it out again because they put them in a coma. Uh-huh. Haven't slept that well in years. It's beautiful. Nice. But what I really like about this sequence is that libraries, libraries like see the number of circulations as an expression of value. Right, and they, they don't know if anyone read past the first page or right. read it open. I mean, I, I guess arguably you're saving people the money of having bought a crappy book if you have a bunch of the crappy books in the collection for them to check out and not read, right? That's true. But That's true. I, I guess appreciate I'm talking that. myself out of my, my criticism here. Okay. But I think you like drawing teeth, gritted teeth on 75. I just think you like the teeth. Well, I had to because it was in the strip. I know. But I just There's not really any liking to about it. I just like it. Once in a while, you've got to do teeth. You see, Chris, Chris drew... Just those of you at home, Gene just gritted his teeth. There, he's doing it again. Chris drew, Chris drew the, uh, the yuppie lady with gritted teeth. The uh-huh. Day. I know. It was scary. It was like a scary... It was like, it was like a John K. Uh, ripping Friends kind of Ren and Stimpy moment. It was really I don't know what any of those things are. You ever seen Ripping Friends? No. <sighs> It was this kid show. I, I know you've described it to me. I've still never you seen. You haven't it. watched it. I never will. You should watch it. I'm not. Going everybody, to. everybody nope. within the sound of my voice, look up "Ripping Friends" on YouTube. Hmm. Look up the "Man Man and Boy Boy" episode. The freakiest thing I've ever seen on Saturday morning children's television. Page seventy-six. Have we got a little political here. They go to the, they go to the uh, legislature, the state legislature. Well, it's their... library legislative day. Oh, a lot right. Of states have this. Yeah. We don't say that. The, well, no, we don't. But the okay. librarians, the librarians from different systems all around the state. Descend oh, they all on... sort of descended. That happened. I guess that happens at um, at TLA, at Texas Library Association. They often time it during that because everyone's there anyway. Like when we were in Austin, they when it's in Austin, that. they yeah. do it. Yeah, yeah. And, but but here they do it in the spring. Everybody goes to Olympia on the same day. Mm-hmm. Just like library folk descend upon the uh, state house. Does it work? I don't know. Okay, we're still here. I guess, okay. I guess it does. Uh, but I like that Dewey tracks down his senator. In the lunch line. Well, I don't think he tracks her down so much as he happens to be getting lunch next Oh, time. I think he tracks her down. Uh-huh. I don't think so. And then 76, the automatic librarian thing. If only we had someone to make that. Maybe that was pretty funny. It is pretty funny. Yeah, and, and Mel is like unusually arch against Dewey there, and I, I kind of enjoy it. When she has the Melomatic? She says, how do you like having your buttons pushed? And then later on, he says, frankly, I'm relieved. I was getting sick of the sound of my own voice. And she says, I know what you mean. Like, that's, that's Mel getting honestly, like... Uh, cranky. I'm trying to remember what this is what this is based on, but remember when uh, Kath and I ran off at Comic-Con one year to go buy the Mr. T in my pocket keychain? Yes. Bob, that has like 10 buttons. I pity have, the fool. You all have a Mr. T yeah. saying? Yeah. I believe that's what that was based on. I'm not sure. The next, I like how you always just sort of rant. You don't have no memory of it, but you're going to try to reconstruct it anyway. This yeah. thing once happened in my life that was vaguely relevant, so it must have come from that. Yeah. Even if it happened afterwards. It doesn't matter. Yeah. No, it happened before this. Page 78. This was a mistake. This is a mistake. Like, and I remember thinking this was a mistake at the time that there was a sequence where a car comes bursting through the wall of the library, which I don't know if it's based on real life or not. Yes. Okay. 
And I'm like, I can't draw that. And you're like, it'll be fine. And so first of all, like the first time the car comes through the wall, it almost looks like a painting on the wall. It's so just expressly two-dimensional. It's just not something I know how to draw. What do you mean the first time? And then I gave up. Well, the first, the first strip of the sequence. And then I just gave up. And so from then on, we never see anything. So this is, this is me being lazy and, and, and or like totally realistic about my abilities. Okay. I'll, I'll, I know Chris would have done a better job. My, my favorite thing on 78 is that the, the lead tastes like cinnamon. Where's that? Oh, buddy. <laughs> it's buddy. Oh, dear. <laughs> the paint's peeling off the walls. It's it's the lead. It tastes... Why oh, the kids the kids are eating it? It's the lead. It tastes like cinnamon. I don't know where we got that. Yep. But let's appreciate the lameness of the top of 79 where they're looking at, I don't know, <laughs> the wall. They're looking at a blank wall. I mean, I guess. I don't know what else they're supposed to be looking at. You really the, came the, through on the that point one. Is, Well, the point is that it's fixed. So what would they be looking at? And how could... But it, it's just... Yeah. Still you, know, you know, color would have gone a little way towards that. Uh, maybe a little texture. A little, yeah. I apologize for the bottom of seventy-nine, because um, you had originally written whatever. What's the ice planet? Hoth. Hoth. Uh, you'd originally written Hoth, and I changed it to Endor, and you you didn't like that because because you don't like the Battle of Endor. I don't like about it either. I hate the Battle. You're right. Of Endor. Hoth is better. Yeah, Hoth. I don't Hoth know. is the battle. I don't know. You know, I have I have a Star Wars Battlefront on the PS4 now. And I just, I'm, I'm going to assume this is a video game. It is. And not a book you've placed on top of your PS4, which would be another possible interpretation of that comment. Yeah. Is it? No, you yeah. said you have you, you have Star Wars Battlefront on your PS4. It could have been a book. No, everybody knows what that preposition means, Ben. And uh, it's fantastic. I just have to say it's fantastic. I have a microphone on my desk here. Do you? Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Do you have a microphone on your PS4? No, I don't have a PS4. Wrong, you do. Wrong, I don't have a PS4. 70, or a PS of any kind. 80. But I did go to PS138. I didn't actually, but I, what is I PS138? That's what they call the public schools in New York. They, they're all oh, public PS? school and followed by a number. PS? And I did go to some public school in New York somewhere. You at don't some know point, what the number is, did you? No. But I, I, it sounded good. Right, do the numbers mean anything? They are the number of the school. No, but I mean... Do, do, no, not, one is not better than 138. Is it the, is it the, is it the order in which they were built? I don't know the answer to that question, but I can tell you that at Microsoft, the order, the number of the buildings is the order they were built. Oh, really? Yes. So that's why they're just all over the place. That's why they're all over the place. Now you know. Now you know people visiting Redmond. And Interesting. Elsewhere. All right. We have on page eighty. We have this obnoxious uh, consultant trainer guy back again. Yeah. And now he's trying to figure out what, like, like how how much everything costs that everybody does in the library. And I like the only person who's uh, not putting on a show for him is Dewey. Mm-hmm. That's good. So. I really admire our work in this volume because I think we did a nice job of pacing the budget crisis. Mm. We could have just had endless budget crisis for six weeks and that would have been painful. And actually, actually not. Like budget crises are, are death by a thousand bites, right? And in, in this case, a lot of it was rumor. But they're bites and not cuts? <sighs> there's sort of rumor and then there's like things that might happen. Like it, it really seldom just come, all comes down at once. And I think we did a nice job of capturing that. The heat just gets slowly turned up. Now I'm going to change metaphors. Like when you're cooking a frog, you turn up the heat slowly and the frog doesn't know it's being cooked. That's not how you cook a frog. That's how I cook a frog. How do you cook a frog? <laughs> I don't. You, Go ahead. You, you put a frog alive in the pan? Is that what you're saying? What I'm saying is you, you put almost anything in the pan and the pan of hot water and it goes, ah, and it jumps out. But if you, if, you, if you turn it up slowly, you can cook them. I'm more like the, the crabs. Like you put a live crab in the pot, but it's all at once. It just cooks it. Yeah, but now you've missed the metaphor. Yeah, but... Poor metaphor. You know when I'm cooking. It's a, a common metaphor. When I'm cooking a when I'm cooking a pan full of live voles, 
I like to turn up the heat really slowly. Man, as do I. What sort of seasoning do you like with your voles? I like pepper. Pepper. Salt and pepper voles. Okay. The best. Cajun blackened voles. No, no. no. Salt and pepper. All right. Salt and pepper. Classic. Classic. Deep fried salt and pepper voles. Right. Way to go. Okay. Is there anything that doesn't taste good deep fried with salt and pepper on it? Page eighty-one. Is there anything? Page eighty-one. No, there isn't. Right. Page eighty-one. The middle strip, is when the consultant, the consultant gets real. He says, with a small staff and limited resources, you help an amazing number of people. Any cuts would directly impact your community. And she says, that's wonderful. And he says, no, it isn't, because there are going to be cuts and lots of them. Like, that's when the hammer came down in the strip. Hmm. And it even says, it even ends with Mel saying, I could use a punchline. I like the thing, like, we put out fires, and Mel says, that she's still defeated at the end of the next strip, where if you're not speaking metaphorically, don't tell me. I can't handle the people. <laughs> that's very, nice. Very, very defeated moment right Yes. There. But then we're off it again, which I like. 83, though, we have Dewey with the guy, and Dewey lets the guy know how much he knows about him. Yes. It's kind of beautiful. Yes. Okay. And then he lets Mel know how much she knows about her. Right. So here's another clue that Mel's gay. Here's another clue. Your friend. Your, Mildred. quote, friend Mildred. That's true. And then she's just open-mouthed at the end there. She's slack-jawed. Is it because of his guess that she refers to him as atrocious? Oh, I think, it's, I think she's overwhelmed by the sheer amount that it's he knows about her. So back on budgets in 84, and Tamara is just being unreasonably optimistic, and she's pretty adorable. And this is where we find out that somebody has to go, right? She says, I'm sure this isn't it. And Mel says, that's it. Maybe it's a good it. It's a nice, <laughs> nice Tamara moment. Somebody's going to have to leave, and then top of 85. Like, amazingly, we still got jokes out of all this. Yeah. Like, this is pretty serious stuff, and I think it's consistently funny. If anything, I think it's funnier, and maybe just, it's just because this is serious stuff. Well, I, I like the top of 85. Dewey's not going to play the game. I like it, too. Dewey's not going to play the game, and then yep. Kathy drops the bomb. And his eyes become tiny little dots. I'm pregnant. Yep. I'm totally going to win Mel's game. It's beautiful. Yep. It is. Beautiful. And so and so, this is some skill on our part, because we, we managed to interleave these two things. Like, we knew that Mel, we knew that Kathy was pregnant. We were trying to decide how to how to drop that, and it ends up providing um, uh, motivation for Dewey. That's good. And so Dewey changes his game. Yep. Like, almost immediately. And so as, as the budget thing sort of wraps up, the pregnancy thing starts rolling. And so we kept, we kept a couple of plot lines going. Yep. I'm just admiring us. 86. I like that Colleen is mad at Dewey for Kathy being <laughs> pregnant. Very convenient. She is. Very convenient. I love that. <laughs> it feels pretty inconvenient to me. <laughs> I also love Colleen on the next page, who's keeping, keeping her daughter with her at all times so Mel can't give her any bad news. Great. She would never do it in front of her daughter. Uh, see, my favorite, my, one of my favorite moments of this whole sequence is 87 in the middle, where Tamara is trying to figure out, like, if she should be the one to go or not. Uh-huh. Like, the kids need her, <laughs> but, like, if she stays, it's kind of selfish. Uh-huh. She can't She's truly it. conflicted. It's beautiful. It's yeah. a beautiful dilemma. Yeah. Uh, 88. Oh, this is the moment where, uh, where yeah. it, it's very clear. It's so we, are, we ourselves were a little unclear on how to resolve all this, just right. to be clear. I think we had a, we, we basically had a plan that Colleen was going to go, and then you pointed out that she would be the last person to go because she had seniority. Right. And that we would scripted ourselves into a corner. And, and as a result, and as, as often happens in those situations, we, we found a nice creative way up, right. which is? She had, a, she had a cruise to take. And yeah. She wasn't going to be able to take her cruise because she's going to have to work, like, doubly or trebly hard yep. at her job. And that was enough. And then and then Mel says, we need you. And Colleen says, that's, well, I kind of finally realized that I quit. Yep. She's out. Your fantasy moment. And then, Is and, that pretty much how it was when you quit? Yes. Okay. Exactly. And then, and then Mel has to give this little speech. You were coming out of the women's room? agreed upon. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I love the moment, the Dewey and Colleen moment. He seems to be saying something nice to her, like, 
Like, she's worth 100 of the computers. Uh, but only because they're worthless. <laughs> yes, only because they're so old. Such junk. <laughs> That's great. What a great moment. Yep. 90. And then, like, almost immediately, I love I love this moment because it, for me, seemed like the perfect library moment, which is... Colleen's going to cost them more money. Which is than Colleen's going to cost them more having left than if she had just because, stayed. Because they have to pay out her pension. Yep. It's beautiful. And then Tamara, who, who always believes the best, she says, I'm sure you have your reasons, and you could just tell that Mel's in shock. See, I see, see, see when, budget, when the budget cuts came down and positions were being filled where I was as fast, I love the, I love the bottom of 90. Mm -hmm. I, need you, I need you in the front. I need you in the back. I need you in the front and in the back. And Dewey says, that's afraid, I'm afraid that, I was afraid that's where you were going. Like, that's beautiful. And my only, my only regret to this strip is I, I didn't draw those two places different enough. Like you may not. I don't think it's entirely clear that he's in the back when he's in the back. I think it is. I didn't know. I don't know what the back looks I like. I still good. don't. I think it's pretty good actually. I'm the, the, the back is such a confusing mishmash of stuff that nobody's ever supposed to see it. I know, but yeah, you know, I have regrets. All right, that's all I'm saying. You have regrets? Yeah, some I, things I might have done differently. I've had a few, but then, but again, then again, too few to mention. No, in my case, it's just a few. Just a few. Anyway. Ninety-one. Oh, the sensor. The sensor's back. To censor the disturbing. Teen I see books. the sensor's fire as a natural part of the ecosystem of the teen section. That's nice. Yeah, and it should be. It should be. It should. Be. It clears out the underbrush. And uh, <laughs> Dewey's trying to reassure her on ninety-two that the teen books don't actually encourage <laughs> bad behavior. And and Merv comes up and says, "Where can I buy a crowbar?" I just read, read a book about breaking windows. <laughs> and Dewey has to point out that he doesn't really read. I love it. So good. Uh, oh, Kathy's dad. Kathy's, Kathy's dad. dad. Kathy's dad. He's insane. Life must be cheap in Mallville. You must be referring to our famously low cost of living. He gets Dewey into a headlock. I have uh, to say, I'm going to compliment you now. Okay. Bottom of 93. Yep. Last panel. I love the stars and the little do thing the around stars, The stars work out pretty well. I do. I do like that. What about, what about uh, Kathy breaking down the door in the second strip? Oh, she's kicking it. She's I didn't kicking get it. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a little less successful. Okay. But, but I, I can All see right. it now. I'm sure you could have done better. No. I think the angle on the, on the leg is a little off. Yeah. But I don't know. You don't have many doors I had to kick down to get that art just right. right. All right, 94, that we find out that, that uh, they're going to hire a library assistant now. Yep. Buddy asks, what's she like? What makes you think she's a woman? It's a woman. Dewey says that, and Buddy says that's funny. Seriously, what's she like? Yep. I love it. Ah. Uh, and I really, I really like how we introduce Dinah here. Like, she comes in and she talks to everybody. We don't introduce her. She kind of introduces herself, and, and, and so that, that's a nice, fun way to meet her. Yeah. And every conversation I love, but I particularly love the conversation between her and Buddy. On page 90. Where he thinks she's a little girl and he thinks she's insane. <laughs> Let's find you an adult. Let's find you an asylum. <laughs> when we were laughing, you found each other. When we were looking through this a few minutes ago, we were both laughing. Are, are you looking for your mommy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, it's funny because she, she doesn't look really young until you put her next to Buddy. And then right. the proportions look. Yeah, and she was meant to be... And, and she's actually a little bit taller than um, Tamara, I guess. Top of 97. Like, I, th I think these are great. These are great moments of Randy. Like, like just because he's saying those crazy things. Like, this yeah. is kind of what we put him in there. I'd take you with some metadata. Yeah. <laughs> Do you even know what that means? And then she actually gets him to just sort of talk plainly and, yeah, yeah. you know, takes the all the wind out of his sails. The feeling isn't mutual. Get lost. Uh -huh. Very straightforward, right? And Very then she totally names it. Dewey says, I like how thoroughly you disarmed Randy. And she says, I like how easily you watched me suffer sexual harassment. And like it's true, and she just calls it. And then she says to Mel, "I like how you enable a cultural dysfunction." Well, no, in the bottom of ninety-seven, one of my favorite Randy lines ever. She's playing hard to get, like an oversized atlas on a high shelf. That's beautiful. We all know what that's like. That's beautiful. Yep. Ninety-nine. This is when uh, Mel thinks a book looks terrible mm -hmm. and doesn't doesn't want 
Doesn't want it in the collection. But and it is terrible. But Dewey knows the teens will eat it up. That's right. It's just that simple. So we go to if we go to hundred. Basically, Dewey wants her to rant about the book, in the mm -hmm. middle, middle one, so that he can get it on video, and play that for the kids to sell the book more. It's nice. I guess Dewey still has his motorcycle. I'm seeing him put on his helmet. And Mel's arguing that she's not a censor; she's just being sensible. Censor. Oh. Like, yeah. The first sensible. line uttered by every crank who walks in the you're door. Sent, you're being censorable. Fine, buy them. Already did, but your retroactive unnecessary permission still means a lot to me. <laughs> That's nice. That's beautiful. That's well, nice. and like, like I think I think this is that thing where a lot of people in the libraries do this kind of pre-censoring thing where they're just like, we just shouldn't have that in the library. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's just going to be too much trouble or it's just kind of stupid. And, you know, you have to really have that collection development policy out there to make sure that you know why you're buying books. And if they're going to appeal, you should have them, right? Yeah. And this is, this is one of those instances. So I really, I really like that, actually. Maybe we should work that into the uh, intellectual freedom talk a little bit more, into ban a book. I'll, I'll see about doing that. I kind of like them. I'm marking them in my book here. Page 101. Oh, we have Dinah kind of working with not being a librarian. Everybody reacting to that. Oh, right. Yeah. And, and I, I love that, uh, this, that the old lady Matilda helps her. Or thanks her. Thanks her for being great until she finds out she's not a librarian and then she basically takes it back. I need to talk to someone with more training. <laughs> and she says, I just helped you. You thanked me. It was under false pretenses. It's nice. And then, but, but I like, I like Dinah too at the end when the, the guy, she convinces the guy to ask her the question. He says, mm -hmm. can you convince the trolls to stop eating my wallpaper? And she's not, she's not paid enough to deal with crazy. Yeah, which that's is, the librarian's which job. Often, which is often what the library assistants will say to me. <laughs> And like uh, 102, another another moment, like the end of this sequence where Dewey assumes she's going to go to library school so she can get respect. And she, she she just points out that she is very aware that it doesn't work like that. Yeah. She's not going to get respect. Oh, you're so jaded. It's nice. You're so jaded. No, it's totally worth going to library school. 104. 104. Oh, the cranky old man is, uh, he's worried Dewey's having too much fun. Technically, he's grumpy old man. Grumpy old man? Yeah. And then he's worried that t he's mad that tomorrow's glowing. It's beautiful. <laughs> Tamara says, when you're done, I'm giving you a balloon. <laughs> Which is a little mean because he's short, but it's also funny. It's great. Please admire that on page 104, the management book that Mel is reading is called Dude, Where's My Cheese? Which I think would be a good management book. Isn't there a management book called that? It's not called Dude, Where's My Cheese. What's it called? Is who, it What Color Is Your who Cheese? Who Hid My Cheese? What Color Is Your Cheese? No, it's What Color Is Your Parachute? I like what colors your cheese. Well, I know, but I already made a joke based on it. That's why I no, put it in here. Dude, See, where's your cheese? Dude, where's my cheese? See, I combined two pop culture references. I like mine better. Uh -huh. Page 105. That's uh, a great conversation between you, Tamara, and Dewey in the middle there. Oh, I like the Dinah Dewey one up on top. You like them both? Yeah. The Dinah Dewey one is about how, how much it's a waste of time to help somebody who doesn't get it over and over and over again. <laughs> Just running out the clock. Dewey says, all we can do is run out the clock. That's good advice. And then what's the, uh, what's the, what's the tomorrow one? The one that's right in front of you? I know, but you, you were going to explain it. I wasn't going to explain it. I was just saying I liked it. Why do you like it? I liked it because it seems accurate. <laughs> <laughs> because his, she has, how's Kathy and his first response is bigger. Try again. Beautiful. You need to get better at that. So I like, I like the dyna, the dyna moment at the bottom. Well. Which is super cliche, but still funny. Yeah. The Dinah moment. I'm not changing my work schedules because you knocked up your girlfriend. <laughs> and then she says, I've seen your kind before. It's beautiful. Like, and that's exactly what happens, right? Everybody, yep. else, everybody else eats it yep. when you're the one who's uh, yep. pregnant or your spouse is pregnant. I'm, I'm regretting. I like these, both these conversations on the top of 106 of Kathy talking to two, well, annoying people. Mm -hmm. But I wish I'd drawn everything up a little bit more so we could see her belly. Because you're not, it's not visibly clear that she's pregnant here. Uh, and so it's, it's, it's clear from context, but I could have. Could have worked a little harder on that one. Did somebody tell us a story? I have regrets, is what I'm saying. Did somebody tell us a story about the middle of 106? The about somebody like 
pestering them when they were pregnant in the library. I, I have a vague memory that that happened. Um, I don't know if it was in response to the strip or if I don't it was remember. before it. I don't remember. Weirdly, I remember writing the strip when we were in New Orleans. Huh. Yeah. That's we were there really for odd. we were there for ALA. That's really odd. Yeah. Okay. Then we have Fred. I have a really stupid question. Do we? I believe it. <laughs> that goes nicely. I just look for that. One oh seven on top. Uh, uh, we get we get a Mel moment. Yeah. Where she's talking about how how great everything is and things are finally stable and then Colleen walks in to destabilize stuff. Yes. And that's that, that's kind of nicely done there. Now, and this is that sequence where Colleen is the nightmare patron, right? And and just just to make this totally clear in in case you didn't notice, up to this point, when Colleen worked at the library, she wore dots on her dress, but now they are squares. And that's how we know pre and post quitting Colleen. I never noticed that before. Really? Yeah. You're not very observant, right? Yeah. Okay. I don't read this comic. No, no. 108. You must be the new meat. You must be the tasteless, old, dry, dry, tasteless jerky. Perfect. Yep. Let me know if you need computer help with computer. I mean, when. It's beautiful. I'm really enjoying the Tamara and Dewey back and forth uh, on 109. There, there's, there's, it, there, it started this way when, when uh, she's talking about them hiring someone and Tamara's, and, and Dewey's not interested in the gossip. Like, he's not a gossipy guy. We get to see him in action. You take all the fun away from gossip. To be fair, there was precious little to begin with. That's about right. Then we have a guy trying to ask if it's possible to be killed with a plastic fork or to kill someone with a plastic yeah, fork. Yeah, is this, is this from a real thing? Make up a story. No. Well, okay. yes. All right. Yes, it's, it's, it's about. I bet once something happened to me where somebody did something. No, no, no. I've always had this idea. Like, like, like here's here's my hypothetical. Right. Is it possible to kill someone with a wiffle ball bat? I think the answer has to be yes. Yeah, I right. think absolutely. But 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 I, I think I, it depends what you do with a wiffle ball bat. It, it, I can it, think it, of several ways to kill them with a wiffle it, ball exactly, bat. Exactly, but I mean striking someone. With a uh, bat. Like, like like not rolling it up and stabbing somebody's eye. With I think it. I think if you have the opportunity to strike them enough times. Really? Yeah. I think it, I think it'd be very difficult actually. I, I think I think at the very least you could you could maybe break skin and cause an infection. <laughs> but it'd be the infection that killed them. Then is that really death by wiffle ball bat? The, it's it's whether you're talking proximate cause or, or not. I mean, I mean, I mean, it'd be really unpleasant to be. Imagine a guy running around behind you, just smacking you with a wiffle ball bat as hard as he could. I don't have to imagine it. That's what it's like to work with you. <laughs> oh, oh, God. oh. Page one eleven. What is? What happened to you? Yeah, I like this. I like this thing that doesn't ever happen in our strip. Tomorrow says you must be freaking out. And Dewey says today's patron have been especially troublesome. And then he addresses the patron and says, "Though you came close, sir, that's unusual." One twelve. Once one twelve. Oh, Kathy's dad's back. Uh huh. You gonna make an honest woman out of my daughter? Wait, are you telling me she's dishonest? It's beautiful. I also like that. Um, I hate that phrase, an honest woman. I hate it. I also like, yeah. I also like bottom page 112. Dewey says, that's between the two and a half of us. That's pretty funny. That's good. That's good. And then and then uh, Kathy's dad bribes Dewey mm -hmm. with an iPad to, to marry his daughter. And then he finds out they're already married. Yep. They secretly did I Did I not mention that? Nice. Finally, we can see her belly. 113. And then they, then they end up throwing a party. With uh, my favorite wanted. party, my favorite party decoration great ever. Great flavored, the Han great Solo flavored Han Solo and Carbonite ice sculpture. Do they make? Flavored it turns ice out, Buddy's also an ice sculptor. Quite do, a good do, one. Do they make flavored ice sculptures? Yes. They should, right? Yes. I've never seen one. Have you? No. I'm like, just making it up. But, but big, I thought it was like, easier to, easier just to say yes. But a big purple swan would be great, like made of grape juice. Okay. I was really go for that. Okay. All right. And, and actually, my favorite part of the whole party thing is Dinah saying, do we often close the library in the middle of the day? Like, that. first of all, the answer is probably yes. And second of all, that's a nice reveal. Like, all of this has been presumed to be happening. We didn't really think about it. And that's how we find out. And Mel's got some champagne, and she's arguing for gay marriage, and Kathy's arguing for arguing that, that heterosexual and pregnancy is bad. I, I, it, it's a little unclear to me. Next page, 115. Those of you who do not read comics, 
the reference to the Watchers here, Mel is dressed up as a character known as the Watcher. Real name? Uatu. Uatu. N now dead, I believe. In the oh, spoilers. Days. Yes. Spoilers. So, so what was that whole sequence called where he died? And it was in oh, it's called Original Sin. It's so bad. Oh. In a long history of bad Marvel crossovers, it's the worst. Who investigates the death of the Watcher in the Marvel Universe? Oh, it's like Black Panther. It's just a random group of people. But Black Panther's one of them. But it's like it's like they put together a superhero team to investigate. They do. They do, and they fly around in spaceships. Oh, and the Watcher lives where, Bill? On the blue area of the moon. <laughs> Is there a blue area? Yeah. Is there? Not in real life, no. Okay. But it's an area of the moon where you can conveniently stand around and have conversations with people because it has it has air. Am I wrong? Is there a baby watcher? Did did Watu get married and there was a baby watcher? Oh, there was there was like a there was and then like that got thrown out that so got fast. I mean, I mean, just ignored. I think it wasn't even bother retconning. There's suddenly a female watcher. This woman. With I think dream. it was just so embarrassing. I know there's a female watcher and you got <laughs> and like and like Watu's like hanging out with Reed Richards and be like, oh, it's so satisfying being a father. And you're like, oh my god, who wrote this? <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad, so bad. But the new watcher. If we're doing spoilers, there's a new watcher. The new watcher. Is Nick, is Nick Fury? No. And that's how they got Nick Fury out of the out of the thing. Out of what thing? Out of the out of the picture. Like he loses his super secret form, super serum formula, whatever the Infinity Formula that has been keeping him alive for way too long. Turns out he's been guarding humanity with a giant gun in space. Like it's so terrible. But they got him out of the picture because the Ultimate Universe introduced this Nick Fury that looked a lot like Samuel Jackson. Just just coincidentally. Coincidentally. And then and then Samuel Jackson played Nick Fury, played that character. Like, that was some pretty good planning on... Not the first or last time Mark Millar has pulled that trick. Maybe the first time, but not the last time. And then they had the, they have him in the movies who was no longer looking like the white guy who was Nick Fury. So they, they decided that Nick Fury had a son, Nick Fury Jr., who looks just like Samuel Jackson. No. And then they got Nick Fury. And, and everyone just calls him Nick Fury, and he acts just like Nick Fury. No. Yes, you didn't know this. No. Yes. No. It was oh. pretty bad. No, I've started. I've started just ignoring giant pieces of the. Yeah, the, the, I know. The, the, it's I, the right I, thing I'm to gonna, do. I'm going to double quote this logic. Yeah. Of the Marvel universe. So, in case you're wondering why Nick Fury is suddenly black, it's his son, but they're the same anyway. Have you seen the uh, Captain America movie yet? No. So we can't talk about it. You should. You should. You should go see it. I'm going to go see it. Hey, Bill. We're not going to talk you about should it. Should go see it. All I'm going to say is Black Panther. Awesome. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. Time, time to finish up here. Where am I at? One sixteen. Sure. Oh yeah. So so now Mer Merv is in trouble for running a business in the library again. Uh -huh. And the library takes over. And the library takes and, over. And Ned says government interfering with the free market again, That's which right. is a perfect a perfect Ned line. And then one seventeen, we have the lady who's donated her books and is mad they aren't in a collection. A common enough scenario. You drew her very well, though. I think. Thank you. That's exactly like the lady who. Uh, <laughs> You're thinking of someone specific. Well, I've seen this happen so many times. And that's what she looks like. It always looks like that. Exactly. And 118. Yeah. We have a limited amount of space on 118. No problem. I'll go find some books you can get rid of. Nice. You open the barn door, and now you've got to take the bull by the horns. And then Mel says, basically, when she leaves, we'll just throw hers away. It's nice. It's yep, Mel, she's Mel learning. right a little bit. She's learning. It's perfect. It's true. 119. Bottom of 119. The most unpleasant reference uh, interaction ever. Uh, was that? I think that was based on a story somebody sent us. I don't know. Where uh, the guy comes in for an STD diagnostic guide. And then keeps just layering it on, right? Yeah. You know what I mean, right? Yeah. Hey. How's it going, buddy? 120. Oh, this is uh, the yes. baby. Baby's so, baby. So boy. now, now and, and, and this is, let's face it, this was some extremely good timing because this is the last, this is the last strip in the book. Purely it leaves. No, no, we actually timed it this way. We, 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 with about six weeks to go in the book, we actually plotted out the last six weeks. Mm -hmm. So this would be the last. Well, I did. I don't know what you did, but. This makes me think we should bring uh, Bibliovores back into print just because... No wonder people are... Because are we introduce... Uh, it's a cliffhanger. Yes, no, that's there, true. There's no payoff for the cliffhanger. That's true. Get yourself together, man. You know mutant powers tend not to manifest until adolescence. 
That's a nice reveal. It's it's, it's great. Yep. It's great for Merv. And then and then Dewey, he's he's going off to have his child so he can say anything to the guy. Yep. So this will be really nice. No consequences. One twenty-two. We've got some unshelved extras. The uh, conference tips. And any of them that you particularly like. I like one twenty-two. I like Dewey trying to talk to the lady who's knitting, and she says, "Don't annoy the lady holding the needles." Like it that. sort of weirdly looks like he's hitting on her, but maybe he's not. I guess he's not. I don't think he is. Okay. He's just chatting. The buyer's market strip on bottom of 122. I also like that where the, the, the vendor will give away anything. Dewey says, I like your belt. It's yours. Done. Page 124. Yeah. Uh, in the middle, there's such a thing as a free lunch. Dewey's definitely just in it for the free lunch. And that is our friend Liz Hartman, who used to be in the library marketing department of uh, Macmillan Kids. Yeah. Okay. One of the few times I've drawn someone that looks vaguely like them. Nice. It's all in the glasses. She has, she has glasses that look like that. I like the bottom of 125. Yeah, that turned out well. The, it's the Choose Your Own Adventure conference tip. Yeah, that turned out well. And, and it's true. At conferences, you can actually go see either of these two. Programs. Yes, both are, both are available. And you probably and they probably line up that people only go to one or they go to the Choose other. Choose Your Own Adventure had a, had a booth at Book Expo last week. Oh, did they? Good for them. Yeah, I haven't seen them for years. So uh, I, I did not go see anybody I knew there, but, you know. So that's the end of Too Much Information. We'll be back next time with Bibliovores, which is now out of print. So if you don't have a copy, you can get one electronically somewhere. Or, or as they say, on the secondary market. That's true. Uh, on Gumroad is where you can get it. All right, we'll catch you later.